Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe. I'm pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad that you've come and, and, and decided to take your time to join us today. We pray today, even in live spring, streaming, we know God speaks to us and God can touch you right where you are. And my prayer is that will be the case for each and every one of you here in the congregation, but also those of you who are at home or wherever you may be watching from. We are glad that you are joining us. We have a special word today we've been talking about, and I mentioned last week that we're, I'm starting a series of messages about the attributes of God, okay? And last week I started with the fact God is gracious and what that meant. And I want to continue that today and talk about the God of compassion. I'm going to talk about that. And I pray that God would speak to each and every one of us as we look at this. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And so uh, we're going to read that. Okay. All of all, we can all just read it together if you'd like. Just speak up. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? Amen. Because we have a, a, a high priest, Jesus. His name is Jesus. Okay. He came to earth. He knows what we've experienced. He know what, knows what we will experience. And he is with us all the way. Last week, week we talked about the fact that uh, can't necessarily disappoint God because he already knows what you're going to do. You know, when you stumble and fall and all that, it's not a surprise to God. He already knows. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. And he obviously knows. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what's happening. And he knows what's happened in the past. And the good thing about that. And you've got to understand this. Understanding, we talked about at the beginning of the year that I pray that really our, our goal or vision would be that we get to know God. The more you know him, I believe the more you'll love him. I believe the more that you'll seek him and the more that obviously when you said you seek him with all your heart, the Bible says that he shall be found by us. And so all these things are obviously, I pray, will be a thrust, not just a knowledge, but that you would experience the Lord. And I pray that will happen today. So, Lord, we ask you to do that in Jesus name. Welcome you, Holy Spirit, for those who are watching and those who are here in the congregation today that you speak to our hearts because we need a word from the Lord. And your word says in Isaiah 55 that your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish all that you have set forth for it to accomplish. So we love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. So when we look at this particular scripture. We are talking about that God is compassionate. I mean, he is a God of compassion. Okay. When you obviously, when you picture God, what do you picture? Think about it just a moment. What do you picture? Do you picture a sort of like a God up there in heaven and he's frowning down on you? He's frowning and all, especially maybe that you did something and you feel like, hey, I really messed up here. And man, he's really frowning at me right now. You feel like at any moment that he's going to swat me. Do you have that image in your mind? Or do you have the image that he's smiling down on you? And last week, we talked about the fact that God's love and grace is unconditional. Hey, when you act your worst, he still loves you. Now, that is just, we can't understand that. Why? It's because we're not like that. When people disappoint us, or when we sometimes don't feel that love return, when we love somebody or whatever, then we know that somehow we feel like, oh gosh, you know, and it distances ourselves from them. That's not who God is. God's different. He says, my ways are not your ways and my Thoughts are not your thoughts. He's different from he's God almighty. And he loves us no matter how we respond or how we act. He loves us. Obviously, he's working in our lives and he's changing us, making us more like Jesus. But in that process of changing us, his attitude never changes. That's good news. And so I want to tell you today, I want to tell you something that obviously God is a God, obviously, of love and grace and mercy and so forth. But God is also a God of judgment. He certainly is. But let me give you the good news. If you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life today, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, therefore there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Therefore, there's no condemnation. Do you all believe that today? 
Because understanding this and having that image of God that God is pleased with you, just as we sang in that song, good to it, Father, and we know that He's pleased with us, even when we stumble and fall, we get back up again, and He may have to bring correction, but He's pleased. He loves us. We are His children. We are heirs of God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and we are co-heirs of God. What does that mean? That means the inheritance that Jesus has, we have also that co-heir. We have that inheritance in, in God Almighty, in Jesus Christ, okay? That's good news. Because many times when we, obviously, we walk through this life and we know that we fail and we stumble and fall and so forth. And what happens is that begins to stack up and we begin to see God as that big guy, the guy out there with a stick. And any moment, he's just going to swat me. If you believed and trusted in Jesus Christ and put your faith in Jesus Christ, he is smiling upon you. And the Bible tells us so here. So why does all of this matter? After all, no one knows, certainly, what God really looks like, certainly. Remember when Moses said he had had an encounter with, uh, with God up there on the mountain and he came down with the Ten Commandments and the Israelites, or the Hebrew children, were sinning, making the idols and, and the calves and golden calves and all this stuff. He threw the tablets down. He had had a powerful encounter with the Lord, certainly. But even after that, experiencing the Lord, and he experienced it. We're talking about experiencing the Lord in our Sunday school. But even after that, he still said, Lord, show me your glory. Remember there? And then God says, you can't see my face because no one has seen my face and lived. But he said, I'll let you see my backside. In other words, his glory went past him. I believe that obviously we'll get to heaven. We'll get new bodies. We'll have resurrected bodies. And we'll be in the glory of God for eternity. I'm telling you folks, we have no idea what that will be like, but it's going to be good. And I believe the day we'll have those new bodies. Why? It's because these old bodies here on this earth cannot stand the fullness of God's glory. It would be ripped apart. I had experience back in 1985 with the Lord. And I came to the, the knowledge that certainly I knew that if God wanted to release his glory, that my body could not stand it. It was so powerful. And I was moved so powerfully and with the presence of the Lord, the manifest presence of the Lord who came into my living room. It was, it was just powerful. And so God gives us that. So we don't see that. So how do we know what God is? Is he frowning? Is he certainly uh, mad at us or, or if he's disappointed enough? No, he's not. He loves us. He loves us beyond anything that we can imagine. But why even raise the question of what we see in our mind's eye? of what God thinks about us. Because, listen, the image that we get in our mind when we think of God says a lot about how we view God. If you think He's up there as a Christian in one way or another, and your prayer life is not what it should be, or maybe you're not reading the Bible like you think you should be, or maybe certainly uh, whatever, you're not responding in the way you should be, you don't feel like you're making any progress in this Christian walk, and so forth. And therefore, God is going to just, man, He's going to nail you to the wall. Man, it's going to be hard to pray to him, isn't it? But see today, your view and my view of who God is and his love actually will call him. The Bible says his loving kindness draws us to repentance. His wrath does not draw us to repentance. His judgment does, does it? His loving kindness, knowing he loves us, knowing when we fail that he still loves us, that he never changes his attitude towards us. That is obviously very important. And that's we think God certainly is up there and he's just really a God of judgment. And that's it, man, he's God. And maybe you've been taught that. Or maybe one way or another you've heard that, you've seen that. Or maybe somebody's had a sickness that God didn't heal. And one way or another you just thought, hey, God, you can heal them, right? We're talking about healing in Sunday school and talking about healing all, you know, and so forth. God heals some people. We don't know why that healing doesn't take place, but God still heals. God does, and he's called us to pray because we're not responsible for the results. God is. But certainly you may have had that uh, situation and experience and maybe you thought, well, God is just, man, he's a, he's a mean old guy. Uh, you know, some people say he's the man upstairs and so forth. They don't call him, say he's God Almighty, okay? But that's what people refer because they don't have the right understanding and who God really is. And I'm doing this message and these series to be able to explain to somehow impart that and the Holy Spirit will, will speak as he desires, but that you'll know who God is because it, your image of God will certainly be uh, relational to how you view him and what you do. 
And so we see here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus here. In John chapter 5, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be, what, condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's good news, folks. When that old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, had exactly the truth. He paid it all for every sin you will ever commit. You go, yeah, but I know he forgives me of my past sins. He forgives you of your present sins and your future sins. Because sometimes we think that, hey, you know, once we receive Christ, that we no longer sin. And that's not true. In 1 John, it talks about if we say we have not sinned, then we make God out a liar. In other words, we will sin. And that verse in in 1 John chapter 1, it says that uh, we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of unrighteousness. That cleansing is a continual cleansing. It's like that chocolate fountain, you know, you put marshmallows under it. It's like a continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus, just cleansing you and me. And he forgives us continually. I want you to know that. Get that down. Don't get anything else about it today. Because if not, you think God is saying, well, you blew it for the last time and I'm getting ready to actually kick you out of my family. That's what the devil wants you to learn and to hold on to. But God loves us no matter what. And so let me say that apart. It's no condemnation. None for those who have trusted in Christ for their salvation. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then obviously there's no condemnation. He won't. When you get to heaven, what's he going to do? Is he going to frown at on you? When you face him, because see, we will face Jesus when we take our last breath. We believe that. And the Bible says when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. When you're out of this body, you're present with the Lord. We're with him immediately, just like that, in the twinkling of an eye. And so when he looks at you and you think, well, one way or another, boy, man, I, I, I certainly didn't grow like I should have as a Christian. And all these other ifs and buts and so forth. And you face him. How do you think Jesus is going to look at you? He's going to look at you and smile. He's not going to frown and say, wow, you really blew it here the last year of your life or whatever it may be. He will smile. He is smiling upon you and me. No condemnation. And when he says none, that means none here. And so we see here he accepts us. He loves us. Obviously, he loves us too much to allow us to stay the same. And he's going to change our lives. Don't get me wrong. We know that. But he's in the business of changing lives. And he loves to do it if we'll surrender and just say, Lord, get rid of this. I don't want it. When he convicts us, we say, Lord, take it from me. I want to be free. I want to be more like Jesus. He takes us at his word. The word compassion says this. He says uh, it is simply understanding uh, someone's deepest needs together with a desire to do something about it. Okay, let me say it again. Compassion is the definition Simply understanding someone's deepest needs together with a deep desire to do something about it. See, he sees our deepest desires. He sees our deepest needs. And yet, compassion is not a word of inaction. In fact, compassion is an action word. It's something you do. When you see somebody in need, and then you go and meet that need with God's help, obviously, then what you're showing, what? What are we showing? Compassion. When you see somebody and you say, I can help that person, it may be just a word of encouragement. I'm talking, not talking about anything just great, although it may be. But I'm talking about the fact that once you see somebody's need and have a desire, let's do something about it. Whether it's feeding the hungry or whether or not it's reaching out to the lost or whether or not it's praying for somebody, or maybe it's a word of encouragement. You think somebody's down today. We're living in a depressed society, and I'll talk about it in a minute. And when you reach out and you say something that may spark their hearts to give them hope and to give them a thrust forward, a momentum to say, I can go through this no matter what I'm facing. What is that? It's compassion. You're showing compassion. And that's the way our God is. When He sees a need in my life, in your life, He says, I want to do something about it, okay? That's good news. That's encouraging news, amen. That is great here. But if we have the idea that he's just a God that's going to whack us and knock us down and smite people here, then obviously we've got the wrong image of God. God's desire, 
is what? To save and to do good. And what else? To bless. You believe God's will is to bless you? Do you really believe that? I don't know about you. I've been blessed, okay? I mean, God's taking care of me. God is blessing me. God's blessing me this morning that I can come and share my heart with you from the Word of God. God is blessing you. He came to, came to church this morning. What a blessing that is to know and, and to, to, to be here today. God is blessing you. When you go home, if you don't have something that you can eat, we've got stuff here you can, we can help you with or, or we have other ways of helping or whatever it may be. But God is going to take care of us because He is the God of all creation. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And He's all-present. He knows how to perfectly take care of you and me. And he, His desire and His will is to bless us. We've got to believe that. Because obviously, in First Timothy chapter 2, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then in Second Peter chapter 3, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know what God is waiting right now, I believe? The reason maybe could be, I don't know this, but my thought is, is the reason Jesus hadn't come back is He's waiting for people to receive Christ. Do you know that God wants people to be in heaven with Him? That He wants all who will call upon the name of the Lord and, and receive what His Son Jesus Christ came and died for? Don't you know? He wants all men to be saved. He wishes none to perish, but all to come to repentance. All people to receive. And just believe upon Him. Just trust Jesus. Plus nothing. Minus nothing. It's so simple. But you see, man's heart is prideful. And man says, no, I can do this. And I don't need any help from anybody. At that, God says, okay. He says, I resist the proud. But I'll give grace to the humble. But when we say we need God. Do you believe today? There are needs in this congregation. There are probably needs again of those who are watching live stream. Whatever that need may be, God says, I want to bless you. I want to take care of it. But what does it require of us? First of all, it requires in saying that I need God to help me with this. And what is that, what is that actually doing? You're humbling yourself. You say, I humble myself and need, need you. And I need your help, Lord. And so we see here, God, what pleases God, not to condemn people. What pleases God is for people to turn to him for forgiveness here. And God is compassionate towards the hurting. Does God care when you hurt? Does God really care about that? Well, why does He keep allowing it to happen? Why didn't He just take it away? He could zap it right away. He's all-powerful, right? He could heal every illness. He could heal every disease. He could free us from all those habits and addictions and so forth right away. And He does that. And I believe He's in the business of doing that real powerfully, right? In our day and our time, certainly. But why doesn't he? There are things that God allows to stay in our lives for certain reasons. Certainly, it makes us more like Jesus. And we go, isn't there an easier way to make me more like Jesus? <laughs> he knows perfectly well. It's tailor fit for you and for me. Exactly what we need and what he allows and what he doesn't allow. Why does he allow that person that continues to rub us the wrong way? Continue to rub us the wrong way. Why does he continue to do that? Does he, does he really care about that? I mean, this person is really, he's, it's hurtful to me. They say hurtful words and all this sort of stuff. Why don't he just go ahead and move them out and so forth? Even sometimes when you distance yourself from that person, that person seems to show up and continue to rub you the wrong way. And also, why is he doing that? It's because he's teaching us something. Certain things he allows to stay in our lives to obviously make us more like Jesus. If he's God, he could just zap it in a minute, couldn't he? But he chooses to allow it to stay. The Bible says, the Lord said, I've indeed seen here the, the Hebrew people. They remember they were making bricks out of just the mud. They took the straw away so that it was harder to make the bricks and so forth. And the, the, hip, the Hebrew children cried out to God. And what they say? Help us, God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in e Egypt. And I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, Exodus chapter 3. And then in Judges, again, the Lord has compassion on them as they uh, groaned under their, uh, those who oppressed and afflicted him. them. He's saying here today, is that suffering matters to God. 
He knows what we're going through. He's our healer. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm going through some real tough times, what happens in your prayer life? What happens in your relationship to God? You draw closer, don't you? You get closer. What do you do? You pray more, don't you? I do. I cry out. Lord, please remove this affliction from me. I need help, Lord. And I come to Him more and more. What happens when you get on the mountaintop and everything is running smooth? And man, it is smooth sailing. We're doing great here. What happens? You drift away. You drift away. You begin to see, hey, uh, I just begin to even indirectly feel like, I can handle this. I got it now, Lord. You helped me out of that last jam. I can do it now. And God said, no, no, no. Things may be coming on that you're going to need my help for. And you're learning His ways. And learning to trust Him, no matter what, in the good times and the rough times. In hospice, I share these stories of many people that I've seen. Old saints had walked with the Lord for many, many years. And I'd go in a house many times, and, you know, uh, obviously it would be some real uh, challenges socioeconomically as far as the people concerned. Didn't have a whole lot of material things. And I'd walk through the house and go back to the back room back there and here the patient was in a hospital bed. And they were back there and they had had pain for a long period of time. Maybe it was cancer or another type of disease or illness. And I'd walk back there to them and uh, look at them and, and talk to them and all that. And from the inner, their innermost being would flow joy and peace and love like I couldn't grasp. I couldn't understand it. I said, how can that be? They're here and they're in excruciating pain, although we work to get people comfortable and they would get comfortable. But they walked through some perilous times in their lives and yet they were praising God. And they say, Jim, my faith and my hope is in Jesus. And they would proclaim the gospel and they would begin sharing with me. And do you know what? I didn't have a word to respond back. I just shut my mouth and I listened to these old saints that had gone through some of the most perilous times and, and the rough waters of life who could now praise Him and worship Him in spite of those things. How can that be? It's because they've learned to trust in the Lord. They've learned today that there's a God of compassion that loved them. They've learned to receive that compassion like maybe some of us here, maybe we have not. But God is a God of compassion and loves us no matter what we're going through. You remember the story in Mark chapter 1? A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Obviously. And then the second illustration, Scripture, Mark chapter 6. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so He began teaching them many things. The man with leprosy. Y'all know about leprosy? What happened was they had to be ostracized outside the city, away from the family. They couldn't get around people. They had no communication with people. They couldn't be around anybody because of the contagious as far as the leprosy was concerned. Uh, they were isolated and so forth and all. And what did Jesus do? He saw and he addressed. He saw a need in that leper uh, life and he obviously said, I'm going to do something about it. And he healed him. Think about how horrible it was for somebody that would have that illness. The doctors have said, there's no cure. There's nothing we can do for you. You just need to isolate yourself and stay away from everyone. Jesus reached out, what? With compassion. Because he saw a need. He took care of that need. And the second illustration here, he saw a crowd, a large crowd. And they were without a shepherd. They had no direction in life. How many people know a lot of people today, they have no direction in life. They're just sort of being tossed to and fro by the circumstances of what their life presents. And Jesus saw them and he wanted, he gave them direction. Today, wherever we are with that also, I encourage you. Jesus is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He directs us, leads us beside the still waters and beside the green pastures. And He restores our soul. 
We need to be restored, don't we? And we need to know we have a shepherd that leads us through this perilous times that we're going through. COVID all over the place. All this stuff going on. There seems to be murders. You turn on the channel early in the morning and they go, hey, we've got multiple shootings here. We've got all these things going on around the city, around the world today. We're living, obviously. Somebody was out at 2 o'clock in the morning and had his car stolen, and then obviously wound up, evidently they chased the guy trying to get the car, and he wound up dead. See, you and I are living in a time where anything could happen. But we need a God of compassion to see that we can trust Him and walk with Him. Jesus responded with compassion. So, let me pause just a minute and ask you a question. Are you suffering? Are you wondering if God cares? You feel like your prayers are bouncing off the wall? That no one is listening to you? People are not listening to you, certainly. But that God has even abandoned you. That God has given up on you. That God has obviously said, hey, you've really disappointed me for the last time. I'm done with you. Do you feel that way today? That's not who God is. God is a God of compassion. And He cares. And He loves us. And He will help at this particular time. He will give you the strength needed to go through it. If He doesn't take the disease away, right away. He'll give you what's needed. I have a lady friend that has uh, been a friend of mine for years. And uh, she has cancer. And she's going through. She's had chemo now for about almost a year and a half. Every day, you know, every week and various and so forth. Had chemo. I've never heard of anybody having chemo like that before. And all. But let me tell you, if you talk to her this day, you know what she says? Praise the Lord. God is good. She's had pain. She's had to change her diet. She's had a lot of things. And she's asking God for healing. And so are we. But she is praising God. She has the joy of the Lord as her strength. Even when the chemo has knocked her for a loop and all. And she has that. Because she knows, she knows a God of compassion. And she knows Him personally and intimately. That's what God wants for each one of us. God obviously can relieve the suffering. Sometimes He doesn't remove it. And He uses it for His glory and His honor. I don't understand all of that. He's God, and yet we are learning to trust Him. And so God has compassion because He created us and Christ became one of us. Jesus walked. See, the misconception sometimes of believing, you see God, Jesus came. He was deity, He was God, and He was also human. Remember, He was born, obviously, of the Virgin Mary, and uh, He never tapped into His deity. He always relied, what? Remember when He was baptized with the Spirit in the River Jordan? Remember the dove came down? Symbolic wasn't a dove. It was a Holy Spirit. It came upon him and gave him the power to live the life that his father in heaven had called him to live. Same power lives in you and me. if We're believers today and we've given our heart and life to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came and walked and he says, I can sympathize with you because I was rejected. Remember, I, I just know that cross and, and the the obviously nails in his hands and his feet and so forth. I can't imagine the pain. See, he felt that as a man. He had the crown of thorns on his head. He obviously took the lashes from that, from the whip. And we'll have, we'll celebrate Easter here right shortly, but took that whip. I mean, it was unbearable. It said it ripped his skin off of him when they hit him so many times that he was almost dead before he even went to the cross to die for our sins and finally take his last breath. And when he's hanging on the cross, if you remember, if you know anything about crucifixion, what happens is, is that actually you can't put your weight on your feet and eventually you collapse and you suffocate. The worst death probably there's ever been. And he died for us. So he knows what we're going through. He can sympathize with us. He's still, he's God of compassion. He had to do that. Why? It's because obviously if he was God and he never knew that, you would say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm doing, what I'm, what I'm going through. God, you don't know that. And God says, yes, I do. I've been through it. That's the blessing. Knowing Jesus understands us. And he also knows who we are. Listen, I love this, this Psalm, Psalm 103. And it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed and he remembers that what? We are dust. You like that? He knows you and I are but dust, okay? He knows that we will fall and stumble, obviously. He knows that. He knows who we are. He knows our background. He knows our future. And he knows we're but dust. We're Obviously, we're nothing. And yet, it's still, in spite of all that, he stays with us closer 
than obviously a son, a, a father, a brother. He sticks with us through these thick and thin of life. Because why? Because he's God of compassion. He knows and sees a need. And then he says, I'm going to do something about it. Obviously. He knows when we're tempted to gossip. He knows when we do gossip. He knows, obviously, when we selfishly speak about ourselves and others. He knows that. He knows all about that. He knows when we have a hard time loving other people, too. And maybe because of that. He knows all that. But in spite of that, he still remains a God of compassion to you and me. You know, example here, maybe you're hypercritical. Nothing's ever good enough for you. Everybody, your children, your family, your employees, everybody you work around, none of them come up to your standard. Obviously, you could be, have been raised in a home like that in one way or another. But God understands why you are that way. Okay? And obviously, He doesn't want you to stay like that. And He, he will change us. He'll change our motives and our attitudes and our actions and our words and so forth. And He'll travel with us. But along the journey, His attitude never changes. He already knows. He loves us. Can we get that down today if we get nothing else? He loves us beyond anything we can imagine. When we want sympathy, where do we go? We go to somebody that's already experienced it. Or we go to somebody that knows what they're talking about. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he's referred to the God of all comfort. And they went through afflictions because obviously they were then able to comfort other people through that. We go to people to understand, don't we? If somebody has an under, hadn't had experienced what you've gone through, then a lot of times we shy away because you don't know what you're talking about. You see, but you run to Jesus. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows when we're tempted. He knows, obviously, that he never gave in to temptation. He never sinned. He was perfect. But he knows that we are but as dust. He knows that. That's good news, I'll tell you. God's compassion never fails us. And in Lamentations, I love it. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For His compassions never fail. His mercies, what? Are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. How many of you need mercy every morning? I'll raise your hand. I do. I need mercies every, day, every morning, right? Don't you? Well, He says they're new. He said, you have not, obviously, he has not run out of the supply for mercy. He loves us and forgives us beyond anything. Now, what does this mean as far as personally? I always like to apply it. Let me read here in uh, Matthew chapter 10. And when he, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then in chapter 10, I just read from chapter 9, and he, he called to them, his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every infirmity. The names of the 12 apostles are these first Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon of Canaan and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, charged them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter in no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and preach as you say, go, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse uppers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay here. We see here, Jesus, when people, when obviously there were those asked, well, you know, tell us, remember he told those, People, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came so that we would know what the Father is like. We see God. He's the second person in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we see here, Jesus came to earth. He's God Almighty. In Psalm 136, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. In Isaiah 49, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Compassion, again, is understanding someone's deepest needs together with a desire to do something about it here. It is. We engage. 
Matthew 28. We studied it this morning. We are disciples. So he called his disciples and he said, here's your commission. Go forth and do these things. Touch people today. Listen to people. Obviously, pray for people. Believe that you have all authority as God releases that and gives that to you uh, to be able to perform what he's called you to do. You and me. So we are to do that. We're to show compassion to those around us. We're to show compassion. We see a need over here and so forth. And God prompts us by his spirit on our heart. Then we go and we obviously do what God calls us to do to meet that need because we are his disciples. We've been called. We've been given our marching orders. We've been called to go forth across this land and to do what God's called us to do. You see, because why? Because we're his disciples. And we are having a compassion of God is seen through his disciples, right? And you go, well, I'm not real compassionate here. Well, you allow the life of Jesus to live through you. You know, we, are, we haven't arrived. But once you start doing that and you begin doing and being obedient to what I, the Lord uh, is, is telling us to do, then obviously God's compassion will flow. And you think you may not do it perfectly? Neither will I. But will you do what God tells you to do? I'll do it. And I'll do it to the best of my ability with his power living and working through me. Amen. And so he says, go and show that compassion to the world. Why is that? It's because people need compassion today. You believe that? I'll share with you in just a second about that. Feed the hungry, heal the sick, save and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at the whole person. He saw the need and obviously he did something about it. He acted the person was hungry. He gave them food. The person was sick. Then he, he prayed for him. He reached out a healing hand. If the person was in need of forgiveness, what did he do? He touched the person with his mercy. We're to obviously reach out in the same way. John 14, 12, which we learned this morning, is obviously we're to do the works that Jesus get, did. And also it says, it goes on to say, and even greater works will we do because he's gone to the Father. Amen. He's called us to do that today. Jesus is the one who shows us very dramatically what God's love is like. It is forgiven, accepting, caring, merciful, compassionate love. It's a love which allowed God's only son to be killed on the cross so that you and I might have eternal life, you see. That love, it's an everlasting love. It's a love which was willing to sacrifice God's son so that reconciliation might happen on this earth, you see. Jesus saw that he couldn't do everything. He couldn't be everywhere. So what did he do? He raised up disciples and he's made us disciples today to go forth and do what he's called us to do, to go certainly and heal the sick, grant forgiveness in his name and feed the hungry and visit the lonely. Be there for some, obviously, that are broken hearted and so forth. Martin Luther, remember the one of the, the uh, leader of the Reformation uh, way back hundreds of years ago, several hundred years ago is that uh, he referred to God's disciples as little Christ. Okay, we're not God, obviously. God is God. But we have God living within us. And we can go forth and, and do what God's called us to do. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We, obviously, are to show the compassion of the Lord to people who need that. And need a touch from the Lord. Let me read this story. I have got a couple of stories and we'll close. In uh, one book, <clears throat> Days of Our Years, tells of a little hunchback. His name was Ugolin, who lived in a small French village. He had a difficult, he had a difficult time in life because he was a monstrous looking person with a hunchback. Children wouldn't play with him. One night, some men who were drinking started making fun of him, and one kicked him and spit on him and tore his clothes and finally left him in a pool of blood. Later that night, the local priest found him, took him home, washed him, and put him in his bed. The next day, while the priest was conducting mass, Ugolin went to the river and drowned himself. And when his sister found out about it, she committed suicide also. And though they were suicides, the priest planned a double funeral in the church, for he said, those children were not suicides. They were murdered by society without mercy. And the day came for the funeral and this priest went to the pulpit. And while looking at everyone, he began his sermon saying, Christians, when the Lord of life and, the, and, and of death shall ask me on the day of judgment, pastor, where are your sheep? 
I will not answer him. And on the third time, he will ask, Pastor, where are your sheep? He says, I'll hang my head in shame and I'll answer. They're not sheep, Lord. They were a pack of wolves. You see, when we don't show compassion, we will berate someone that maybe doesn't look like us, doesn't talk like us, or maybe sometimes don't, they don't act like us. And we somehow condemn them and we judge them and we somehow reject them and so forth. We have no idea what we're doing to that person's emotional being. But as we have compassion, allow the Lord God of compassion to live his life through and in us, then we know we can make a difference in people's lives. I know all of you want to be a part of that. Bill Hybel says this, you have never looked, locked eyes with another human being who wasn't valuable to God. No one. No one. Everybody is valuable to God. Story here. It's in the newspaper years ago. Had a story about a little boy who was riding the bus. He sat so close to a woman dressed in a gray suit that everybody assumed that he was her son and she was his mother. Until finally another lady sat down on the same seat with them. And when the little boy put his feet up on the seat and got the other lady's dress dirty, she turned to the woman in the gray suit and said, would you please tell your son to put his feet down because he's getting my dress dirty. And the lady in the gray suit pushed the boy away and said, he's not my son. I've never seen him before in my life. And the second lady looked at the little boy sadly for a moment and then started talking with him. And she asked him if he was traveling alone. And he said, yes, I always travel alone. My mommy and daddy are both dead. And I live with Aunt Clara. But Aunt Clara thinks that Aunt Mildred ought to take care of her turn and taking care of me too. And so whenever she gets tired of me, she sends me to Aunt Mildred. I'm going to Aunt Mildred's right now. And the woman said, it must be tough traveling alone. And the little boy said, yeah, it is. Uh, But I never get lost. But he said, Sometimes I do get very lonesome. So whenever I see someone with a kind face, I sit close to them and pretend that I belong to them and that they belong to me. And he continued, I sure hope that Aunt Mildred is home when I get there because it looks like it's going to rain. and I don't like to be outside when it's rain. And the woman reached over and grabbed the boy and hugged him so tight. And she just wanted, she said, wanted to know that boy to know that that obviously Did he belong to her? So whenever I see somebody with a kind face, I sit close to them and pretend that I belong to them and that they belong to me. You see, there are a lot of hurting people. You want me to tell you why? We've experienced it this past year. We've experienced a situation where what's happened We've had to distance ourselves from one another. If you go in a store, they got round circles there saying stay six feet apart. They're saying keep that mask up. Sometimes your mask may accidentally uh, fall down or you may take it down so you can catch your breath or whatever. And if somebody sees you in the wrong mood, then what are they going to do? They're going to jump all over you because I've seen it. Okay. And what has happened today is what I heard that I reject is that was talked about from the medical community, that we'll never be able to shake hands with one another throughout the rest of our lives. Have you heard that? And I reject that in Jesus' name. I like to shake hands. And we've come up, and yes, we're respectful of this, and I'm not arrogant, but I'm saying, we're going to get through this. But we've got through it all. Can we learn something about compassion and how important it is? I like to hug. I'm Obviously, respectful and hugging the ladies, certainly a bear hug from a guy, but ladies and so forth. I just like to hug. Just me. And man, this stuff is, uh, can't do anything like this. And what it is, is we are obviously, I don't know whether y'all seen it, but I saw it several times in the last couple of days that suicides have been on the rise beyond anything we've ever imagined. That depression, obviously, is just skyrocketing every type of mental and emotional illness is taking place because we haven't actually 
received compassion in many ways, we haven't given compassion. God's called us to live that life and to reach out and touch people, to get close to people, talk to them, and, and, and to be there, to listen to them, and to empathize with them, to sympathize with them, and to say, hey, you got a need, and I'm here to help you with it and to help you get through it, whatever it may be. And so churches are not meeting, so we're not having a lot of times the meetings today and people are getting hunkered down in their homes and we need to be careful. Again, don't get me wrong. But one thing for sure is when we get out of this thing, I'm telling you, we go through it. And even while we're going through it, we need to, to be able to show compassion to people. People like for people to listen. Anybody ever know this today? You know, I talk a lot. And sometimes when I should obviously keep my mouth shut. Anybody under, uh, re relate to that here? Okay. What do people want? You know what? Somebody's talking to me. You know, sometimes my mind is going, how am I going to answer them? How am I going to answer them? And what that person wants is somebody just to listen to them. They're not looking for, obviously, uh, uh, the answer. They're looking for somebody to listen to them. Somebody to empathize with them. Somebody to understand. Somebody to convey compassion to them. That that little simple act of listening is going to accomplish. That's what's going to happen today. But we're in a state today. So as we pull out of this, I pray to say, give me people that I can show compassion to, that I can see there's a need, and then I have the desire to do something about it. Just like Jesus. Why? Go where his disciples. We've been called. There's a calling on our lives today. And God wants to use us for His glory and His honor. And the only way that can happen is if we obviously extend our hearts and lives to Him and recognize these truths that are very simple, very true here, um, are very important here. We never shake hands. We're never going to hug anybody anymore. I miss that, don't you? An elbow bump is all right. But I want that to be temporary, don't you? Okay. Or a fist bump. Okay. I want that to come to an end. We're called as Jesus' disciples to go and show compassion to people today. That's who God is. Is he mad at you? No, he's not mad at you. If you came in here today and you go, well, I feel like I'm just going through the motions of worshiping him and so forth. Let me tell you something. God will take that. And he will obviously use that today. Why? It's because you showed up. You said, here I am, Lord. I've come to worship. I've had a rough week. I feel like maybe I'm a flop. And God said, no, I'm smiling at you. And I love you. And you've come to worship me. And, and that honors the Lord. And he says, I'll bless you. I'll bless your life beyond any measure today. Simply because you took that step of faith. And you stepped out. To worship the Lord. The good news is. He's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. He knows us. And he knows what? Anybody in here know that we're but as dust? Okay. I mean that's pretty low down right? Okay. Yeah we're children of God. I'm a son of God right? Okay. But in understanding. That he knows our frailties. He knows our humanness. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He knows our gifts. He knows our shortcomings. He knows everything about us. And yet still, He smiles down on us. Get that image down. If you're a Christian, you'll not be judged. If you're a Christian, when you take your last breath, and this is for all watching, if you obviously have never given your life to Jesus Christ today, would be the day. Because maybe that you had a family or a father figure that was really maybe abusive, or maybe that in one way or another, they never complimented you, they never saw any good in your life, and they were highly critical of you. I want to tell you today, receive Jesus Christ into your life, and receive God's favor. Let Him be pleased with you, because He wants you to step foot into the kingdom of God, and He wants to bless you. He wants to nurture you. He wants to guide you and comfort you and give you peace.
That's who our God is. He's a God of graciousness that we looked at last week. And He's a God of compassion. And He doesn't change. Because we, obviously, we're fickle. But God's not. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Take it very seriously. I don't know when Jesus will come back. I don't know when all of this, the curtain of time will come down. I don't know that. And so if God is knocking at your heart's door by the Spirit of the Lord today, bow your hearts and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. And Lord Jesus, I want you as my personal Lord and Savior. I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I want you and ask you to forgive me and obviously to hold me close and help me in this life, in this journey, because I need you. And if you do that today and ask him to come in, your life will dramatically change. And the blessings of God can flow through your life never, like never before today. And you'll understand what we're talking about today as far as God's attitude toward and his attributes and his attitude towards us. It will be that he is pleased and he's a good, good father. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence today, Lord. Thank you. We know you are a good, good father. And Father, we know today as your children, we come and we believe, Lord, that you want to touch us in ways we've never had before. That you, oh God, desire to take our lives and to prosper us. To bless us, to heal us, to comfort us, to give us the peace that passes all understanding, Father. Because we are living in a time of tumult, chaos, confusion, and Lord, downright disregard for anything that speaks of our Heavenly Father. But Father, we pray, show yourself strong to these here today and to those watching by live stream. Show your mighty hand of power and deliverance that people today would be set free and their shackles will fall off and they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. May you be blessed this day, dear God. Thank you for this awesome day that we can come together and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching today. Anyway, contact us through Facebook or through the webpage that you can get with us. If you have prayer requests, let us pray for you. We're glad you've joined us today. Please come back next week and join us. Uh, and then maybe even if you have a chance, come by. We're on 925 3rd Street in League City, Lighthouse Fellowship. We'd love to have you come by and join us at any time. Come on by. We're obviously open for business. Amen? Amen. Y'all have a great week and bless you in the Lord. God bless.